0: So I'm Brady Watkinshaw, and I am the CEO of the national environmental publication Grist.org, uh, and I'm delighted to be here with all of you today. I'm going to be running the, the politics track uh, throughout the day. So this first panel uh, is called Bridging the Cascade Divide, and I'm delighted to introduce you to the members of the panel. So first off, on the far right, you have Stuart Elway. And Stewart has been analyzing public opinion polls in Washington State since 1975. Uh, From 1984 to 2005, he directed the Seattle Times, Washington Poll, and since 92, he's published something that many, many people in politics are familiar with called the Elway Poll, uh, which is a nonpartisan, independent analysis of public opinion in Washington State. So welcome, Stewart. Next we have, we'll we'll applaud, we can go each one by one. (laughs) So next we have Judge David Estudio. Uh, He's a Grant County Superior Court judge, and after being appointed to fill the expired term of a retiring judge, he was elected by the people of Grant County in November 2016. So David, maybe raise your hand so people can locate you. Thank you. Next, I am delighted to introduce Kelly Scott, um, who's the editorial page editor of the Wenatchee World, and after graduating from Oregon State University, uh, she spent several years as an aide to U.S. Representative Norm Hicks, and so welcome, welcome, thank you for being here. To her right, uh, we have a former colleague of mine from the state legislature, uh, J.T. Wilcox, Uh, And J.T. uh, represents Washington's second legislative district. Uh, He can share more about where that is on the west side of the mountains. Uh, And he currently serves in the House Republican leadership team as their floor leader. So thank you for being here, J.T. And and in the moderator's seat, uh, I'm delighted to welcome Ted McGregor. He's the publisher of Spokane's Weekly, uh, the Pacific Northwest Inlander, and since its founding in 1993, The Inlander has become the best read weekly in America and earns multiple journalism awards every year. So, thank you as well for moderating this panel. And last, last but not least, I do want to take a moment to recognize the sponsors uh, without whom none of this would have been possible uh, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the Killinder Foundation, and then, specific to this politics track, uh, it's been sponsored by Uber. So please join me in welcoming this great panel for an engaging discussion. Thank you all.
1: Welcome, everyone. Great civic-minded people on a rainy Seattle morning. I just want to start out by saying that when we do panel discussions in Spokane, we do not have chairs this nice, (laughs) like maybe a stool. And in fact, if it helps you think about me, think of me as your hillbilly cousin from Spokane coming to visit. If you're a fan of uh, Christmas Vacation, I'm Cousin Teddy. <laughs> in seriousness, that's a stereotype about Eastern Washington. We, uh, you know, when I arrived in 1983 to go to UW, some of my new friends from Mercer Island and Bellevue would look at me and say, Spokane, really? Huh. Just like the, I was a lost tribesman from Indonesia or something. But uh, today we're here to talk about the Cascade Curtain. Uh, the difference between East and West and our our wonderful state. Um, And there are stereotypes. We have stereotypes about people from Seattle, believe it or not. Um, (laughs) And we are also kind of simmering in a a politics of resentment right now in America. And I think we're seeing that, you know, here in our uh, own cascade divide. And hopefully we have a little bit of time later for some hope and we can talk about an old friend who's kind of been there with us all along, who might have some ideas for us in how to move forward. I'm going to start out by introducing uh, each of our panelists to queue you know, them up for some comments. And Stuart Elway has probably forgotten more about polling than any of us actually know. And uh, he's in uh, November, he just did a, a big uh, survey about East and West attitudes. And I'm just kind of curious, Stuart, uh, do you see those signs of resentment in your polling?
2: Well, um, we do, but it, it's complicated. Uh, the, one of the aftershocks of the uh, 2016 election was the realization that the Washington state map might be changing. The Cascade Curtain has been a, uh, a political shorthand for decades around here, uh, but Donald Trump carried uh, ca- counties along the coast that hadn't gone Republican for decades. The last time Grace Harbor, my hometown, voted for a Republican was Herbert Hoover. Yeah. And that worked out real well for him. And so <laughs> they went for Trump this time. And several of the counties along the coast did. And the, the Washington results mirrored the, the national results in a lot of ways. That is, the Republicans won the acres, and the Democrats won the votes. Uh, Trump won 27 of 39 counties in Washington state and got 38% of the vote. 25 of the 26 least prosperous counties in the state went for Trump. Um, there were 22 counties that voted 3 for 3 uh, Republican, President, Governor, and U.S. Senator. 22 out of the 39. That accounted for 22% of the vote. Nine counties, they were all in eastern Washington, plus Lewis County. Nine counties voted 3 for 3 for Democrats. That's 66% of the voters. They, all those counties border on Puget Sound. Um So the, the, uh, when you try to look, we've done polling since then, and uh, to, to uh, uh, plumb this, try to make sense of this, and it's complicated. Uh, our, our politics are organized by interests, but government is organized by geography. Uh, so the, the, the Cascade Curtain may be coming more of an urban rural divide. We looked at, The Cascade Curtain, urban, rural, and partisan divides, the deepest divides in the state are partisan. Uh, The the, the people who consider themselves Democrats and Republicans are divided uh, deep and wide. They they agree on, on uh, on a couple of things. They agree that most elected officials don't care about them. They agree that there's too much wealth at the top. They agree that political correctness stifles free speech, and then they disagree on everything else. Um, and so the, so the geographic uh, divides depend on the partisan mix in the region and the communities. People tend to live near people they agree with. Bill Bishop's The Big Sort, I recommend it, um, uh, talks about how people move to live where around people who think like them. So, so, partisan, so partisanship is becoming more polarized and more tribal. So the, the communities uh, are, are following suit, becoming more partisan. We looked at attitudes uh, across six regions, Seattle King Count- uh, Seattle then King County, Pearson Kitsap, North Sound, West, the rest of Western Washington Coast, and then Eastern Washington. Um, and we asked a series of questions, about 20 questions, basic attitudinal uh, items. Majorities or pluralities? In all, all across the state agreed on half of those questions and disagreed on the other half. We looked at urban, people in urban areas, rural areas, small cities, big cities, uh, suburban areas. Um, the, and they divided, basically the, agreed on a lot of things, disagreed largely on the, the fundamental questions of government versus individual responsibility. Um, uh, people in, uh, smaller, in rural and small towns, um, uh, tended to disagree that racial discrimination holds, uh, minorities back, that it's more a personal initiative. They agreed that, uh, thought that about, uh, poverty. They thought it was more common for the needy to go without help than for people who need it to... Get government help. So there's, there's a there's a fundamental difference in in uh, in, in that in, in that view. And then th- uh, second, tax flow. One of the animating questions is who's paying for what in Washington. Washington state has six donor counties. There are six out of the 39 counties that pay more tax than they get back. Five of those are on Puget Sound, plus Kittitas. Um, in, in uh, uh, the recipient counties, when I ask them in the polls, only 12% correctly answer that their county gets more money back than they get. So they have the idea that they're paying for undeserving people in other areas to get um, uh, 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 government benefits, which starts to lead to the politics of resentment. Um, Catherine Kramer's book by that title, Studies Wisconsin, another book I'd recommend to you. Uh, very similar. You, you'll see a lot of, of familiar themes in uh, Wisconsin uh, a, as we have here. Um, so I asked a series of questions uh, about other groups, uh, including uh, the Republican Party, the Democrat Party, Trump, the news media, people in rural areas. And, and the question I asked was, what do they think about you? Not, not what do you think about them, not what, but what do you think they think about you? And it seemed to me that was sort of the core of where resentment uh, lies. The seven different entities we tested, rural respondents were net negative on five of the seven. They thought that those people th- had a low opinion of them. The only ones that were positive f- for rural people with the Republican Party, and Donald Trump. Um, and Eastern, uh, Seattle was the only region uh, in the state with a plurality saying that Eastern Washington people had a low opinion of them, and Eastern Washington was the only region in the state with a plurality saying that Seattle folks had a negative opinion of them. So maybe the, the Cascade Curtain is more an urban-rural divide, and maybe it's Seattle and the rest of the state.
1: Thanks, Stuart. You just wrecked the title of the session. (laughs) So uh, edit that down to urban-rural divide, not cascade divide. Um, Just to put a little bit of stats on that, I believe, and these could be a couple years old, but I think King County accounts for about 42 percent of the revenue and gets back 26 percent, and I think Ferry County, which is a tiny county in eastern Washington, gets about $3.20 for every dollar they send back. So that's real. Um, we have uh, State Representative J.T. Wilcox here today, and if you've enjoyed Wiltox's delicious dairy products, you can thank his family. Good stuff. <laughs> Everybody's gotta eat. Um, and when we talked a little bit, you, you said maybe it's actually tighter than urban rural. Maybe we're talking about a curtain around one certain place in our state.
3: Well, I I actually normally uh, do agree that it's uh, urban and rural, and and it's plain to me that uh, urban people are really interested in this right now. I think you can uh, thank uh, Trump for that. And and, uh, when you get into the professional politicians in Washington, you can thank Jim Walsh because uh, he won a legislative seat yeah, in the uh, 19th district, which is the southwest Washington coast, first uh, Republican since the 80s uh, to win in what uh, really used to be an FDR-type uh, uh, Democratic district. But that also illustrates one of the things that's been happening in politics that, that I think is, is a big problem, and that is not... Um, in the past, we had an ideological divide to some extent between Republicans and Democrats, but there were a lot of uh, conservative rural Democrats in a Democratic caucus, and there were still a fair number of uh, moderate uh, Republican urban legislators, and so inside each of the four caucuses in Olympia, you really had a pretty balanced view, and as people have sorted themselves, and I do agree that, that they're sorting, uh, they sort within the state, and then sadly, you see an immense number of people that either have left the state for ideological reasons, which is totally incomprehensible to me, honestly, uh, or they wanna leave the state for uh, ideological reasons. And uh, you then have these caucuses that tend to be much more narrowly focused than they used to be. And uh, as you mentioned, I'm part of the House Republican caucus. It it probably uh, encompasses the broadest point of view uh, in uh, Olympia right now because we have this this new person from an old FDR-type district. Uh, You have me, who represents the second district, which is really the Nisqually River Basin, uh, and I have, a, have an odd experience of, of representing a large part of two of these Puget Sound counties, Pierce and Thurston County, but the most rural and uh, least populated parts of those districts, uh, excuse me, of those counties. These are donor counties, but uh, the people that I represent are, are not the wealthy ones. In fact, uh, across the state and across the country, actually, Republicans almost always now represent the least wealthy uh, parts of uh, the American people. Uh, And I also have this odd, uh, uh, you know, kind of outlook on business because uh, Wilcox Farms, my family business, has been around there for 110 years and uh, we have found that you cannot compete in a commodity business in Western Washington because you don't have the possibility of being a low-cost producer. So if you're gonna survive, you have to be a value-added business and uh, how do you survive in the value-added food business well you focus on the Seattle market the Portland market the uh, Bay Area market and all of the places where uh, these are very wealthy uh, populations and also politically deep blue and so I I do believe that you, you hear a little bit about separating into two different states and and just about every Western state has that movement right now sometimes from different perspectives Uh, I I don't agree with that at all. It's absolutely critical that we figure out a way to have, uh, you know, some degree of of common ground uh, for both business and social reasons. And I think, uh, honestly, this idea that it should be divided is kind of an entertaining game for people, and I don't think that many people uh, take it very seriously. But the consequences of of the divide, I think, are uh, quite serious. Uh, the thing that really surprises me in Olympia where, where I'm kind of a middle of the rotor is uh, you do have these deep resentments and uh, sometimes you have uh, very clever and, and uh, uh, actually uh, one of the better politicians in the state, Joel Kratz, who represents uh, the Okanagan area, constantly dropping bills that says, okay, Seattle legislators, uh, if you think this is good for me, why don't you try it? So uh, he will sponsor a bill that says, "Let's release wolves in King County," <laughs> <laughs> or uh, or the San Juan Islands. Uh, during the the Hearst discussion, he dropped a bill that said, "Okay, Seattle redi- residents, uh, why don't you live with the Hearst water restrictions?" Uh, and I I think he's making a great point, and what he's really pushing back on is the idea that. Uh, He who has the gold makes the rules, and uh, I never used to believe that until I served eight years in Olympia, and it has become very plain that that actually is, I think, what happens politically uh, around here, and uh, if you want to look for a source of resentment, uh, I think that probably is the number one reason.
1: Thank you. We've got Kelly Scott here with us today. She's from the Wenatchee world, and she's a member of the Woods family, and we have a special place in our hearts at the Inlander because they print our newspaper every week. That's awesome. And uh, Kelly has lived on the west side. Now she lives on the east side. So she is also the uh, uh, editorial page editor for the paper. So she interacts with readers. She hears reader comments. She kind of hears what people are thinking. Uh, We had something interesting happen in Spokane last week. We had, as if on cue, and I think CrossCut must have planted this, an op-ed about starting a new state in eastern Washington again. So I just thought that was great. Um, Rob Chase, who is our Spokane County treasurer, is advocating that we have a new state, and they've already figured out the name. It's Liberty. No no discussion there. We're going to have Liberty. (laughs) And so my question for you, Kelly, is how often do you hear about secession, or is it more just point by point you know issues, Hearst decision. You know some uh, housing prices. I mean, you're communicating with your your people.
4: So I don't know if I hear about secession necessarily. Um, I, that's ludicrous, obviously. But um, so I forgot to sort myself. I'm this rare beast. I'm a Democrat that lives in uh, Wenatchee, and I write my opinion for a living. And so I do hear a lot. Um, and <laughs> So no, not secession necessarily, but um, the Cascade divide or the urban-rural divide, in my mind, so much of it does just come down to politics, red and blue. And um, it's been a bit of an adjustment. I think that there is some real... So there's the made-up stuff, like the the easy narratives about the lazy urban dweller versus us hard-working rural farmers and whatnot. That's just baloney, but then there's some probably more um, legitimate resentments that come from policies um, made in Olympia um, that affect rural life deeply, like the Hearst decision um, that Representative Wilcox mentioned. Um, And then there's this issue. One of our biggest issues right now in Wenatchee is housing, a lack of affordable housing. Um, It's affecting recruitment for the hospitals. They can't find places for doctors, nurses, those kind of people to live. It's affecting people in the service industry. Just your basic studio apartment, it's not there. Um, and that's all over my region, north-central Washington. As I know, it's, it's a statewide issue. But then in communities like Leavenworth and Chelan, you have resentment because Westsiders come over and uh, buy second homes and quite immediately turn them into short-term rentals, which really messes up the market. Uh, and... In Chelan alone, they've got, I think, 60% of their workforce has to commute in because they cannot afford to live in the city of Chelan. That's 3,000 people in summer, um, and when you're commuting in and you're living in Wenatchee or up in Okanagan or whatever, you're not spending your money in Chelan. So, um, so yeah, some of the resentment I, I kind of get. Some of it is, is um, sort of silly. But, uh, yeah, I, I have been privileged to live on both sides of the mountains. I love this state, and there is... Um, value in focusing on what unites us. I think we, um, we need the west side for the ports to get our ag out into the world. We, um, I've, there are so many Seahawks fans over in Wenatchee. It's crazy. And so I wondered, in one of my columns recently, I, I thought, you know, if, if we become our own state, who would all these poor Seahawks fans root for? <laughs> and, and then, um, you know, of course... The libertarians, sure. the libertarians. Oh, okay. Um, LAUGHTER so then, And then West Side, of course, comes over to us for the sunshine, the recreation, the wine. Um, so there's so much that unites us, um, but, but yeah, those, those are really real divisions. Chelan County went for Trump, I think, by 54%. Douglas County, right across the Columbia, went for Trump by like 62%. Um, so they're real divisions. Now, it feels different right now because there is a vocal resistance movement coming. Um, 2,000 people nearly in Wenatchee, Washington, came out for the Women's March. Um,
1: <laughs> your column is working what? your column is working
4: um, and 800 people in twist Washington the, like, and, it, and it was which was such a shock it made the Washington Post they did a huge article however <laughs> I would still be shocked if Dina Rossi doesn't get at least 60% of the vote in north central Washington um, So we'll see. It's going to be an interesting year to watch how much has actually changed.
1: Thank you. And now we have uh, Judge David Estadillo. And he, from his bench in Grant County, which is close to Spokane and Moses Lake, uh, we, uh, you know, the entire panorama of humanity comes through America's courtrooms every day. And uh, one of the things I was curious to hear from you is, and you, you alluded to it, uh, Representative Wilcox's, is the the socioeconomic differences that we, that we see. And do those drive the urban rural divide? Do those drive the cascade divide? Do those drive resentment? Um, and I'd just be curious to hear your view on, you know, the socioeconomics. And, you know, let's keep in mind that to balance out the differences in our state we 've been fighting in the legislature about the McCleary decision for a few years to figure out how to fund our schools. so there are these inequalities that we 're grappling with, and I think America's in that same place so Judge
5: yes, thank you very much, and I appreciate uh, the opportunity to be here uh, just by way of background, um, as I was, when I was introduced. Um, I ran my retention uh, election back in 2016 after being appointed by uh, Governor Inslee to my position. Uh, And for most of you who may or may not know, but Grant County is definitely considered a very conservative area of the states. And as I was campaigning throughout the uh, county, I definitely felt that uh, cascade divide. Um, You know, just meeting with folks individually, uh, letting them know who I was, uh, in many occasions I would, I would get introduced and, and I'd hear the little snippets in the background, oh, that's Governor Jay Inslee's political appointee and he's trying to take over our, our court system here. Um, and so there, there was definitely a lot of resentment um, from uh, the locals that I would uh, uh, discuss um, about my campaign, uh, always mentioning Inslee as being some uh, demagogue that's out there trying to basically transform the state in his own image. Um, And I think it does come down a lot to the social social economic uh, issues. Uh, They, when I say they, we in our our part of the state uh, feel that there's a lot of taxation that goes on and a lot of regulation that uh, prevents uh, innovation and prevents the ability to um, use your own money to start your own little business and whatnot. Um, and that's a major resentment without the realization, of course, based on those numbers that Stewart was talking about. I think there's, there's not that realization about how much money that is actually being put back into that area of the state. But I do see all walks of life, of course, come in before me. Um, but the same, same rationale basis is that, hey, there's a lot of elitism in our state. And, of course, they point to one county, uh, one city in particular, where they believe that elitism is uh, without the realization that there is huge benefits coming, of course, from, from the entire state. So from my perspective, I, I see that on a daily basis when I interact with individuals, um, and, f- and it comes down to the lack of interaction, in my, my opinion, lack of interaction between individuals on the west side of the state with individuals on the east side of the state and vice versa, uh, where they just don't ever connect, and when you're living in one area, you become Facebook friends with certain types of people who all act as your sounding board. So if you don't like something, they say, yeah, we all agree. And then you don't hear any other, any other areas from any other individual, any other points of view. And then, of course, you go to the local coffee shops and you sit down with individuals and you start talking. And again, it's that sounding board. Uh, everyone's talking about the same issues and everybody say, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. Um, and What I found during my campaign is that when you actually sat down with someone, uh, gave them the background of who you are, why you came here, how you got to this position in your life, then they recognize, hey, there's common grounds. You worked hard to get to your certain position. Thank you. (laughs) Um, And so when people are able just to sit down and without trying to force your point of views one way or the other, just tell them about your background That is what starts bridging that divide. Uh, And again, I found that personally in my campaign because I would go into a lot of individuals who just had these preconceptions about who I was, where I came from, what my points of view about the judiciary was, and when they actually heard me talk and heard my background, they'd say, oh, this is an individual who actually would make a decent uh, judge here because of his experiences, uh, what he's gone through and they recognize that, hey, he's actually intelligent. He's not, just someone, he's not just someone who basically has been put here by an individual that they have no idea or have no conception about, um, you know, why he's putting this particular individual in, in the position of a judge. So that's kind of my thoughts, and, and you know, I don't have as much information as, as some of these individuals up here on stage, but I'm certainly happy to
1: share those. Well, we had to represent Eastern Washington, and the three of us uh, on this end all actually spent time in Seattle. I lived here for eight years. Um, Kelly lived here. Um, Judge did as well. So, you know, we, we bring little pieces back with us. And, you know, that, that really interests me. And I want to finish out the rest of our session here talking a little bit about going forward. How do we, you know, I'm hearing everyone say, you know, how do we talk to each other? How do we not talk past each other? How do we not go into our tribes? And, you know, I've got my own idea, which is that we have a, a reality show that we put on Amazon Prime. And we send a... Uh, Amazon programmer over to drive the combine and buck hay bales for the summer, and and we get the guy up in Ferry County to to come to Capitol Hill and become a bud tender for the summer, and just you know, <laughs> so I'm taking offers on the the treatment right now, um, but I'm actually not kidding, and I talked about an old friend, and you know if you think back, our state is named for George Washington. One of the things that uh, George Washington did was he led the Continental Army which, you know, we glorify it today, but basically they were running for their lives the whole Revolutionary War. Um, And when he got done with his terms, he wrote a farewell address that um, a lot of anybody who hasn't read it needs to read it. It's amazing. And uh, one of his things that he really wanted was he wanted some kind of a national university or entity where the 13 colonies could send their people to get to know each other and be, you know, together and and spend time together, and one of his quotes about the Continental Army was, "A century in the ordinary intercourse would not have accomplished what seven years association and arms did." And he felt like the beginning of the uh, new country was was forged in that experience, and so I'm just kind of curious from our panelists, like, how can we talk to each other and not past each other, and that's going to take everyone, not just uh, people on the. Rural areas, but people here in the in the cities too. Um, so I will go first to uh, Representative Wilcox and say that of our institutions that exist today, the state legislature is kind of like what George Washington envisioned. It's a place where people from all over all different perspectives, Mercer Island, uh, you know Ferry County, come together and I'm, I'm, I'm just curious what your experience is and, and how you feel like that chamber can be a place where we can show that Washington State can do this better. We can overcome the resentments.
3: Well, first I'll give you uh, uh, something that I appreciate as a good example of how to talk to each other. Uh, I, sometimes you choose your topic, other times the topic chooses you. This is the third time in two months I've been in a Seattle University on a panel talking about um, the urban-rural divide. So clearly, all of you are interested, and I and I really appreciate that because there are a lot of people that feel like this is a crisis, and we have to figure out how to get through it. And you know, then there are others that that like to promote it, uh, and uh, we've got to figure out how we win that battle. You know, the the legislature, um, it it is not perfectly suited, I, I think, for the best kind of communication because, um, you know, the legislative system is, is set up to have a little bit of confrontation. And, uh, you know, the idea of the loyal opposition is that your job is to represent your viewpoint uh, and, uh, you know, actually oppose the, the ruling party. And it's gotten a little different uh, just this year. Now, For the last five years, first of all, it's much more closely divided than most people realize. There's 147 elected representatives and senators. Um, For quite some time, uh, if you take out the one Tim Sheldon, who's a Democrat that caucuses with Republicans, it was absolutely evenly divided. And uh, when one chamber had a one-vote Republican majority and the other chamber had a two-vote Democratic majority, uh, there there were tremendous incentives for people to come together and legislate from the middle, and I know people that have been there for a long time that loved it the most when it was actually tied, and you can have an actual tie in the State House uh, because you, you just have to pay attention to both sides. Uh, we're in a slightly different situation now because of the uh, turnover in just one Senate seat. You have these tiny, tiny... Democratic majorities in both chambers, and that totally changes the dynamic. And I I don't mean that I resent that because it's a Democratic majority. It's because a single party holds this one vote majority in both sides, they have to be uh, absolutely cohesive. And so rather than uh, uh, being empowered to reach out across the aisle, they have to just look inward and figure out how do we get just our one quarter of the building, uh, of, of the two chambers, because of course, each caucus has about a quarter of the, of, uh, of the combined chambers now. How do I get us to be united? And you don't do that by reaching out to the other side. So we're, we're in a point where uh, actually as the floor leader, it's easier for me because I don't have to be concerned about uh, Republican bills coming over from the Senate, but uh, there's an incentive for the ruling parties to be even more focused on their own issues. Uh, So we have gotta find a way of transcending that. In a short session, I think we do that by trying to get out on time and by having a less controversial budget. And then there's a lot more of a social component than people realize, and it's not like DC where you read that you can't eat lunch with someone from the opposite party. Uh, We actually are close friends uh, in many cases. Uh, I spent a long time on the phone with a colleague last night uh, who's a Democrat from the other Democrat from the 19th District uh, who was uh, almost inconsolable about something that was happening in his economy. And uh, you have these great human moments. Most of the people that are there are fine people, but the fine moments often are in private rather than in public. And we just need to figure out how
1: to, how to pull that out a little bit more. It's encouraging to hear that there's a camaraderie there, but it also sounds like there's still challenges. But we are counting on you guys, so help us come together. Thank you for the faith. (laughs) I know a lot of them in eastern Washington. I interact with a lot of them over there, so we we know. Um, Stuart, one of the things that jumped out at me from your report was, and I'm curious because he talked a little bit about the, the R's and the D's, is voter identification in November was... GOP 26%. My takeaway, we're a state of Indies. We're independents. Is that a trend that you see continuing, that more people want to be identified as independent in our state? And what, what does that make the outlook for 2018 to you?
2: Well, we've been a, a, a largely independent state for a long time. Um, over the last... Uh, Generation really. Uh, The the, we I used to when I started. I've been doing this a long time. When I started doing this, I used to say Washington was one third, one third, one third, and Independents were the largest third, Um, (laughs) because you know I'm a stats guy. I can you know. Um, But lately, uh, really since about 2000, the Republican proportion has dwindled to about 25, 26 percent who identify. And then the, the Democrats and the independents sort of trade off at at high 30s and high 40s. In odd number of years, when there's not an election, there's more independents. The closer you get to the election, there's more Democrats. Um, and it, so they, they, those bars go up and down uh, on the charts. Uh, so the, the Republican identification now uh, has as I say, dwindled down, and, and we have uh, 38%, which is what uh, Donald Trump got here, is about the bedrock Republican vote. Um, uh, you look back at, at some of the races in, in recent years, that's what you get by having an R by your name. The, the uh, high watermark for the uh, election last time was uh, Kim Wyman. Who got 55 um, percent of the vote? The only Republican to win statewide, the only Republican to win on the West Coast, um, and she got 55 percent of the vote, winning 36 of the 39 counties. Um, hmm? Dwayne, Dwayne. Oh, oh, Dwayne, that's right, Dwayne, that's right, he won this time. Uh, the high, I'm sorry, I'm, uh, the the state treasurer is Republican this time. As a helpful helped by our open uh, primary. The two Republicans get to run against each other. Um, the, the Democrat high watermark on the other side was Patty Murray who got 59% of the vote winning only 16% of the counties. 54% of the population lives in the four counties uh, in central Puget Sound. Um, so the and, and the 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 uh, attitudes, the partisanship that is embodied in Seattle is bleeding out into the suburb areas. Uh, what we used to call suburban King County. There's 30 seats there. 26 of those are now held by Democrats. Um, so the the but, but we're still like to think of ourselves as independents except when it's time to vote. Thank you. Uh,
1: Kelly, I was going to talk a little bit about the W's that we we provide to you fine people over here in Seattle. It used to be wheat, but then everybody went gluten-free, so (laughs) can't do that anymore. Uh, Wine grapes with a subset of hops for your fine IPAs. We grow all that in eastern Washington. Uh, Not everybody's going to love this, but weed. We grow a lot of weed in (laughs) Spokane County. Uh, And World Wide Web we farm servers, apparently, in eastern Washington off of dams that were built on our rivers. And uh, Kelly, you talked a little bit about the influx of housing and maybe that having sort of a, an unwanted appeal, but is there something about, you know, more people thinking about eastern Washington and connecting with Wenatchee being so close, Lake Chelan being so beautiful that feels like a more dynamic tomorrow?
4: Well, I'll tell you just anecdotally, um I do work at the paper, but my husband is a consultant who has literally no business in Wenatchee. (laughs) He flies uh, to DC to do his work. Um, Our good friends in our neighborhood, um, she's a stay-at-home mom and he is a consultant for Microsoft who travels over to the Redmond campus about once a month. Uh, Our other good friends, he's a pilot and she's a flight attendant for Alaska. They commute from Pangborn Airport to SeaTac to work. Again, we don't have any business literally being in Wenatchee, um, but we're all there. Um, uh, I know my friends are there for the lifestyle, the sun, being close to so much recreation, um, the traffic issues we don't have to deal with, and all that. So maybe in that sense, um, people are, ch- especially with the new economy and the way we work with technology, people can live in uh, places that they maybe couldn't have lived before and still do the jobs that they want to do.
1: The, the bedroom, the bedroom. Neighborhoods are expanding. When uh, One of our first cover stories we did at Eastside Week, Skip, was uh, they came from Cleelum. People were living in Cleelum and commuting, and now they're living in Wenatchee and commuting all over the world. Um, Judge, you and I talked a little bit about um, some of the things that are happening are pretty remarkable. The server farms in Quincy are immense. Um, the... Uh, some of the high tech stuff in Moses Lake is kind of amazing and, and a little bit under the radar. They uh, roll out carbon fiber there that's used in BMW cars, um, electric cars, and uh, you know they need a lot of electricity for that. Um, you know, are you seeing any moderating influence in the influx of business from outside of Grant County to you know the politics and the and the, the moderation of the resentment perhaps? Well, and so we did talk about this.
5: Uh, Quincy, Washington is uh, on the uh, west side of Grant County, but that's where the server farms are. That's where you have Yahoo, Dell, Microsoft uh, coming in with those server farms. And you can see the difference, in, in at least my personal view, you can see a g- difference in what's happening in Quincy. Uh, attitudes, I think, are slowly changing about some of these big companies coming in uh, and investing money in that area. It's obviously driving up uh, housing prices there, which is good. Um, for that area and you can see it in the recent within the last year and a half or two years They actually approved a new school bond um, And so they're building a new high school there and when you have these outside companies come in and invest They're obviously bringing in some of their employees and they start to interact with the locals um, Because of course they're there on a daily basis and again, that's that interaction that slowly starts to uh, convert people attitudes about people who are from quote unquote outside of the area and they start to realize hey we're all in this together and we're really starting to see that we have common ground and I, I believe places like Quincy are really starting to change and being more, I don't wanna say moderate or conservative but they're just being more of a, of a microcosm that shows hey we can actually invite other people to come in here and realize that they're just like us, uh, no different.
4: Can I say one thing? Absolutely. I think this illustrates the um, cultural differences between where I live and in Seattle. So last year there was a push by some vocal uh, local advocates to change the name of our elementary school in East uh, Wenatchee. It's called uh, Robert E. Lee (laughs) Elementary. And as soon as this push, and this was after Charlottesville, um, they'd tried before and uh, gotten nowhere. but immediately this narrative took off as this was being led by a group of outsiders from Seattle, um, which was not true, but it was a popular narrative because um, culturally we just are so different in that respect. I don't want to pr- talk about the d- division so much, but it is true. Uh, ultimately, it was a Chamber of Commerce that came in and said, look, if you keep this name and you put it on the ballot, because the school board was completely against changing the name, very conservative, if you make this a thing and you put it on the ballot... Um, you're going to lose business, and it's going to affect our pocketbook. Um, People like Microsoft, businesses like Microsoft, are not going to want to bring jobs here. So now uh, they have changed the name. It's now Lee Elementary. So
1: It's a little bit like King County getting a name change all those years ago. Uh, Well, listen, I want to uh, thank our panel, and I'm going to hand it off here in a second to the moderator, but I do want to say CrossCut Festival is awesome. CrossCut is good journalism. Support good journalism, people.